Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The delicious conversation starts right here and right now. And I welcome you to my kitchen. Whether you love to cook or love to eat, you are bound to find something you will love on this show. I hope you'll visit chefjamie.com for features, forums, recipes, cooking videos, and more, because it is my goal to satiate your appetite, and because you can take your cooking skills to the next level just by staying tuned, I hope you'll tune in every weekend for fabulous food in your radio. We're heating it up with grand guests, chef's tips to make your dishes come alive with flavor. And this hour, we've got quick recipes, prep advice, great ideas that I guarantee will make you hungry. For my daily dose of gluttony, please become a friend and a fan on social media at Chef Jamie Gwen. And let's get this party started, shall we? All right, here goes. Joni asked for a brown butter recap. And I am very happy to oblige. And thank you, by the way, for the nicest note ever, Joni, and for your longtime listenership. You are very, very loyal. Brown butter is actually one of my secret weapons. It's my culinary addiction, or one of many. It's my favorite room freshener. (laughs) The list goes on. And I'm sure you're making brown butter. You've made brown butter. If you haven't attempted it yet, this is your tutorial. But brown butter is one of those magical secret ingredients that enhances the flavor of just about anything, I believe, sweet or savory. Now, allow me to clarify for a moment, because I am a stickler for grammar in my regular life, not on the radio and beyond, actually on the radio too. And it should be said that brown butter is really browned butter, but we just call it brown butter, like as if it rolled off your tongue. So please forgive any grammatical errors here. Browned butter is just so much harder to say. And brown butter works and is just so delicious. It has that rich, nutty taste. The aroma is out of this world and even better than all of those things or as good as. It is super easy to make because it takes just one ingredient. So browning butter, in my opinion, is one of those life skills that should be taught to everyone alongside things like how to change a tire and how to tip at a restaurant and how to ride a bike with no hands and how to properly mince garlic. And by the way, you do that with a little bit of salt. But I think these are things everyone should know. So it's a good thing I'm here for you, don't you think? Because I don't know how to change a tire actually, but I am really good with butter. I am. I think butter makes everything better. And if you haven't yet realized the glory of brown butter, this is the year that your baked goods and your roast vegetables and your popcorn and maybe even your life are going to change because brown butter is simply butter that has been heated over the stove till it becomes nutty and golden. And in French, it is called beurre noisette or literally hazelnut butter, which describes its color and its rich flavor very perfectly. Now, To make a brown butter spread and slather it on toast, 
it is perfect. It's delicious just on its own, right? And if you add a pinch of cinnamon, you get cinnamon bun butter. That's what we call it in my house. And it tastes like the essence of a cinnamon bun. It's like the best you've ever had. But it's cinnamon toast elevated. Now, brown butter is one of those shortcut ingredients, I think, that takes a simple cake to a whole new level of complexity, right? It adds toasted flavor to blondies or cornbread or savory dishes like pasta and risotto. And the most difficult part of making brown butter is keeping a close eye on it because you can't walk away. Butter burns at a lower smoking point or smoke point than other oils, right? Which means it burns faster than you're used to if you combine butter and olive oil for a quick saute or if you're using just olive oil or avocado oil for that matter for its smoke point. Uh, the butter burns fast. But if you watch it carefully, brown butter could be your ultimate secret weapon. So Joni, this is what you do. This is how I do it. To make brown butter, you simply start by melting good quality unsalted butter over medium heat. When I say good quality, I mean the best you can afford because the less expensive butter has a higher water content. Therefore, you're going to get a lower yield when it comes to your brown butter. The process will also take longer. And I don't think the flavor is as good. So if you could do this with European quality or European style butter, which is the highest butter fat butter, well, kudos to you because you will be making brilliant brown butter. Now, I like to use a pan with a light colored bottom because then you can keep track of the color as the butter begins to brown. This is not something you want to do in a coated nonstick pan because you can't differentiate the bottom of the dark gray or black pan from the butter browning. Now, I swirl my pan occasionally to make sure that the butter is cooking evenly. And as it starts to melt, it begins to foam. Then the foam dissipates and the color of the butter progresses from yellow to tan to toasty brown. And once you smell that nutty aroma, you take the pan off the heat and you transfer the browned butter to a heat-proof bowl to cool. That is my moment where I get golden brown that I remove the butter because I think that the time in between those next few seconds and burnt butter is just too short to risk it. And I find that you continue to get a little bit of carryover cooking with the brown butter even after you've transferred it to a heat-proof bowl. The milk solids cook fast. They settle on the bottom of the pan, right? Sort of like the dregs in a bottle of wine, uh, like the sediment. And when you transfer it to a new container, uh, you can do one of two things. You can leave as much sediment in the bottom of the pan as possible if you want clean, pure butter that is beautifully aromatic and flavored. You could also strain the butter through a fine mesh strainer or cheesecloth to the, remove the particles. Or if you embrace it all like I do, because I like those flecks of brown butter on my pumpkin or butternut squash ravioli, you can just transfer the whole thing and scrape the pot or pan and get the goodness that, you know, has character, we should call it. Now, um, I love the flavor of the solids that are brown. So try it both ways and see what you like. 
It is easy enough to brown just what you need, by the way, per recipe, but you can also brown large batches of butter at a single time. It keeps in the fridge, of course. You could freeze it in ice cube trays if you want, um, but do keep it airtight or wrapped tightly or in some sort of vessel uh, with a, you know, a lid like a mason jar uh, because it will adopt other flavors from your fridge. Now, what do you use brown butter in, you ask? Well, any recipe, just about, that calls for butter. So cookies, cakes, or sauces. So if you wanted to use it in its solid form, you would make brown butter, let it cool on the counter, put it into whatever container or vessel you choose, and put it in the fridge. It will harden once again, just like the stick of butter. And then you can measure it accordingly. You can use it when you need just softened butter for a recipe or even cold butter for something. Or you can use it in its its liquid form, like right after you make it, right? I spoon it over pasta, over fish dishes, over steamed vegetables. It makes an excellent spread for dinner rolls. You could refrigerate it, bring it back to room temperature. You could whip it with regular butter to extend it. You can spoon it over poached eggs. You could make the best butterscotch pudding you've ever had. But how do you use brown butter? Please, I want to know. And I'd love to share my best recipe for using brown butter with you. I make brown butter blondies that are out of this world. It's the bonus recipe of the week and I will post it on social media at Chef Jamie Gwen. So check it out. Brown butter blondies. There's really good stuff coming up. We are dishing with my dear friend, Claire Tansy. You know her and love her. She is Canadian born and bred, but she makes dinner uncomplicated. Claire Tansy coming up. Before the end of the hour as well, we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the original publication, the cookbook entitled Lebanese Cuisine. And the recipes are updated and nuanced and truly scrumptious. So don't touch your dial. Grab a snack. Come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio when we enjoy all the gastronomic pleasures of the day right here. Thanks for listening. Don't go away. Be right back. Jamie Gwen in your radio, cooking tips, ideas, and recipes to help make every day more delicious. That is the goal. If you're short on time but long on hunger and you're out of new ideas, well, Claire Tansy to the rescue. I'm very proud to call this talented cook my friend. She is all about making dishes delicious but never difficult. And her books, the Uncomplicated series, take the stress out of home cooking. It's really all about a happier, easier way to get a homemade dinner on the table. And I keep Dinner Uncomplicated, Claire Tansy's most recent beautiful prose, 
on the counter in the kitchen as reference. I mean, that's how good the recipes are. Claire Tanzi is an accomplished chef, a busy working mom, and she loves the classic dishes. But after years of working, she's figured out a better way to make those dishes without any more time than they need. And I'm always delighted when she graces our show. I have coined her our uncomplicated expert, and she's back to celebrate the new year and cook with us again. Happy New Year, my friend. How Happy are you? Happy New Year. Thank Happy you. Happy New Year. The best time of the year. You're staying warm, right? We should let everyone know that you are a good Canadian, eh? Yes, I'm up here in Canada. Even though I'm in one of the warmer parts of Canada, it is still, we are in a cold snap right now. Wait, can I laugh at that for a moment? Ha ha. Okay, what's your warmer temperature today, girlfriend? Okay, so it, this is actually the coldest, it's the coldest day of the year, and it was, so it was minus 30 overnight. Oh, um, Fahrenheit. Like, I think, no, that's Celsius. It's like minus 20 Fahrenheit. So it's oh, cold. It's gosh. cold here. But the thing is, we always say, there's no bad weather, just bad clothing. So you just, you have all the stuff. I have, I literally have an ankle length coat. Yes. Um, I have so many different types of long underwear. <laughs> I have boots that are magnificent. Sexy. So it works, it all works. It does. And you know what I think, I mean, if we were to spin this and look at it, at it at the most, in the most beautiful way possible, you have such wonderful excuses to eat hearty, <laughs> comfort food fare with zero guilt. Like, well, we have to warm up. Like, I would make everything with dumplings on top and, like, meaty, hearty bowls of steaming goodness. Yeah, yep, and yep. that's what we do. And I, I, I was laughing the other day because... My husband actually is in charge of all stock and broth making in this house. He oh, I love it. He's in the care and tension. Yes. And he, uh, he, was, he was making a three-day chicken stock, and it was like our whole, our whole home smelled of chicken noodle soup. Oh. And, I mean, it's the ultimate comfort food. Yes. Like, it was, it was just magical to have this sort of room diffuser on all day. <laughs> who, who needs to buy one? That's really, that's really what feeds your soul and mine. And by the way, this is a chef-to-chef conversation, a catch-up of sorts, so that we can gain inspiration from you without any, you know, specific uh, dig-deep topic. I want to know what you're eating when it's so cold outside. So talk about three-day chicken stock because there's a, there's a beautiful method to it, right? And there's a concept that you could make it quick in your pressure cooker when you need to, but when you have the time to slowly simmer, um, mm-hmm. tell us. And it does, and it concentrates it. You know, um, it's, it's just, we, so we, we fill, we have this enormous stock pot, and yes. we just fill it with... Um, First of all, all the chicken carcasses that we've been saving, because um, we do roast a lot of chickens, and of course we always save the bones. And then we add a, just a ton of, like, backs and necks. You know, chicken backs and necks. The yes. Butchers will give them away for very little money. Yes. They are full of deliciousness, and you throw all that in with the onions, the carrots, the celery, the baked leaves, the peppercorns. Mm. And that's really it. We keep it really, really simple. Yes. Um, you know, not a lot of herbs, not a lot of um, anything else unusual. You just want those standard vegetables. And then bring to a boil and then simmer for as long as you can possibly stand it, or at least until the stock pot has reduced by about a third. And then the, the wonderful thing about living in this climate, our, the, the, we have a room off the front of our house. We call it our mud room. Yes. It's like where all the boots are and everything. But, of course, you can't keep the boots in there right now because it's too cold. 
but you can put the whole stock pot right in the front room. And it's like a ginormous walk-in fridge slash freezer. So (laughs) we get all this extra space. That's genius. Mm -hmm. I I mean, if anybody ever had the best opportunity to brine a turkey, which is always so cumbersome, right? Like, do you do it in a big, huge ice tub? Or you you have the ultimate opportunity. Indeed, Indeed, yeah. And so that's uh, our mudroom sort of becomes our cellar. Walk-in, yes. Walk-in freezer. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Do you keep your scraps, Claire? I've been... My 2024, one of my food resolutions is to waste less. And I think the, the mindset, and I know the mindset stems from, I have an almost four-year-old, as you know, and the amount of food that a small child deciding what they like and building their palate leaves on the plate could drive any waste-not-want-not person crazy. Yeah. Right. Because I just find myself throwing a lot away. And so I'm very mindful of that in my own cooking because I think, well, I have to compensate. So I've been keeping all like the onion peels and mm-hmm. the uh, bottoms of the celery that I chop off to, you know, get mm-hmm. a clean cut, etc., in a zipper bag in the freezer. And then I did that same thing with a smaller pot of stock and no walk-in freezer. Um, but I just pulled the bag from the freezer, and I was so thrilled that I was using it up. Yeah, we do that, and we do that with herbs as well, sort of the bottom of the parsley, uh, the stems Smart. off the thyme. Yeah. Um, we do keep all that. Now, sometimes we don't get around to it, and I try not to beat myself up too much about that. Right. Um, but we do try. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and that makes the stock... The broth tastes that much better. Somehow. Yes, and we should clarify, right? Stock is from bones, so you're mm-hmm. making stock, and broth, by definition, is not. And mm-hmm. stock, for the record, is so much more delicious. It's why chicken thighs on the bone taste so good. Like yeah. any chef will tell you, right? You cook meat on the bone whenever you can. Indeed, and and you get so much goodness out of it. I mean, the the concept of you know what what people call bone broth uh, sort of exploded about a decade ago, but of course, that's all stock is, is bone broth, especially if you cook it for three days. And I always feel so good. Um, my son loves any soup that we make. My son's almost uh, almost 12, actually. Oh, my gosh. Oh my um, but he just loves any soup that we make with, uh, with the chicken um, stock. And I always feel so good about that because it's so full of great collagen, good protein. Yes. So much good stuff is just, like, in that beautiful stock. So yes. it feels like medicine. Mm. Um it, even though it's absolutely delicious. Yeah, we call that Jewish penicillin there in go. our house, right? <laughs> um, so what else are you making with this chicken stock? Do tell. We do focus on soups because yes. we love a hearty soup. Last night we did um, some vegetable and barley. Super, Ooh, super simple with nice. the chicken and that beautiful broth, beautiful chicken stock. Um, and again, it's pretty heavy rotation. Yeah. It's super satisfying, mostly, you know, like very little meat, so... Um, feels like quite frugal eating, but also super satisfying, very cozy and warming. Mm. Um, so we'll do a bunch of different soups. Nice. Um, and then we often, on a Saturday or a Sunday, we'll make just a big pot of risotto um. with the chicken broth. Because, again, that's a way to kind of show it off. Yes. Um, and making this meal out of nothing. Okay, Claire, you're making me hungry, so please pause there. When we come back, more chef to chef, we're dishing with Claire Tansy. She makes dinner uncomplicated. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, bringing my best friends and comrades in the culinary industry directly to your ears. She is Claire Tansy. Are you using your slow cooker in all this cold weather? I know you use your slow cooker year round because we've dished during the summer that you believe that slow cooker um, should sit on the counter and have its place. I do really use it more in the summer. I won't it's lie. so funny. Because in the winter, I mean, we made, I made two big, beautiful pot roasts to take over to a friend's house for a dinner party, a potluck dinner party, nice. a couple of weeks ago. And I love having the oven on with the pot roasts in there. Um, like I said, it's cold, and it's really comforting to have that beautiful smell of a slow-braising pot roast. Yes. Um, just sort of permeating the house. So I, I actually don't use the uh, slow cooker as much in the winter as I do in the summer. So funny to me. Uh, you know, it's, uh, and we talked about this for years, you and I. I remember this famous story of you telling me that when your son was little, I remember you bundled him and then you remote opened the door of the car, the minivan, right? And he would run from the front door to the car. And I remember thinking for the first time, like, Gosh, where Claire lives, it's really cold. <laughs> you know, and, and we're yeah. in Southern California bundling up because it's yeah. cold for us. But yeah. um, it's really a, a beautiful concept when you embrace everyone's way of life and the way it that is, we all cook different, you know? Yeah, and it's, and it's really, I mean, you know, you think of the Scandinavians who have that concept of hygge, which is like being cozy at home is a kind of state of mind. Yes. And lean into it. Why not? Like January is 31 days. That is a lot of days. <laughs> yes. Um, and it is really cold. So why not? Like, I mean, it's a great time, you know, if you ever want to make cinnamon buns and you got to know you've got to kind of be home because you got to make the dough and let it rise and then punch it again. And then, like, you're home with the oven on. Fantastic. Yes. Throw on a movie. It's very, it's, um, as long as you kind of take that guilt part out of it, like, oh, I should be doing something productive. No, you shouldn't. No. It's, like, it's the winter time. Right. Embrace here, it. And the sun doesn't come up until 9 o'clock in the morning. It huh. goes down around 4. So... You know, there's no reason to get up early. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Uh-uh. And there's every reason to go to bed early. <laughs> yes. And isn't that a beautiful thing to embrace? I could use more sleep. Could you get some for me? Yeah, um, you got it. Okay, before I let you go, I want to do um, what I call the radio quick fire round, okay. please. Because this is how we get to know you as a chef better. And I think there's so much to learn in getting to know your comrades and the chefs you watch on TV because you – you have a new con- a newfound connection every time, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, so, yeah. number one, one ingredient you always have in the fridge. Parmesan. Uh, always. I agree. Always. I, uh, I, I can just eat it by the piece. Yes. Yeah. Oh, chunk it off for sure. For sure. Um, three ingredients you couldn't live without. Um, olive oil, garlic, and butter. Very good. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. One ingredient, please, if you would pick it. I know this is hard. It's like picking your favorite child, which I have one child, just so that Likewise. no one can. Yeah, For no one reason. can ask me which <laughs> yes, one is your favorite. Uh, one ingredient that makes everything better. Salt. Yes. Oh, good answer. And you know, I've gotten some crazy, wonderful answers for that. But depending upon 
where you come from, how you cook, what your style is, and your yeah. culture specifically. Like an Asian chef will tell you fish sauce, yeah. right? Which is your uh, yours salt. and my equivalent yeah. to salt, yeah. but it's got well, umami. I, and when I teach culinary classes, I always say like my, my go-to response when people are like, yeah, but I don't know about the flavor. If something doesn't taste quite right, try salt, fat, or acid. One yes. of those two things is going like... If it's a soup, add a little glug of cream or olive oil. Or if, like, if it's a steak, squeeze a lemon over it. But mostly start with salt because that's yeah. probably going to make everything taste better. Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Mm. Uh, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life. Can I say lunch? Can I say lunch? <laughs> Just generically? <laughs> sure. I mean, we could. how about the, the food of one country for the rest of your life oh, or yeah, one I mean, meal? I, would say, I think I would say probably bread or pasta oh, would okay. be my number one. So, yeah, or France or Italy. Or France or, or Italy. Or rice. How about, or tortillas. Wait, or how about, <laughs> wait a sec. Did I not say one? Wait, can we do bread? Okay, I'm, I'm going to answer the question myself. I mean, selfishly. I love where you're going. So I'm going to say pasta in Italy. Does that get us a trip? Oh, right? If yes, I could eat please. one thing, I want to eat pasta in Italy with you. For the rest of my life. For yes. the rest of my life. I accept. Okay, good. Thank you. When do we leave? Um, <laughs> and your guilty pleasure food. Is, is it a snack? Is it a chip? Does it come in a bag? I'll tell you yours if you tell me mine. Or you know I'll what? tell you mine if you tell me yours. I will tell you that I generally don't try, I try to, to assign guilt to anything. I try to allow myself yeah, good to for you. You know, just eat what you want. Um, but there are certainly times when um, I'm feeling like, okay, I need a, just a little restoration here. And I will eat um, premium plus crackers, like saltine crackers, yes. with peanut butter on them. Okay, that doesn't sound so. That doesn't yeah. sound bad. Like you shouldn't feel <laughs> no, bad about it's that. Delicious. It's absolutely delicious. Yeah. And if you want anything from me, which I'll gladly give you, but if you really have a big favor, may I suggest you come with a churro? Okay. Homemade. I don't really care. Okay. To be honest, if you I'm come with a churro, because I made homemade churros <gasps> last weekend and they were pretty great. Oh my gosh! Really? I did not get my invite. I know. I'm sorry. You know what? I actually made them into a birthday cake for a friend of mine. No way. So, yeah. Wait, yeah. How, how did you do so? I just took a whole bunch of them and stacked them up in a weird pyramid and put birthday candles in it. That's super fun. And did you yeah. drizzle it with like dark chocolate sauce or sea salt caramel? We had the dulce de leche on the side oh, for dipping. Day. Yeah. My yeah. birthday is in September. <laughs> <laughs> like that duly noted. It's the 28th. Did you write it down? You got it. You okay, got good. It. Oh, I I'll love show up at your churro. door with my deep fryer. Oh, I wish you would. <laughs> my gosh, we'd have a good time. We oh, would. I wish you would. Um, tell everybody, you're still teaching, right, when we, when we can get into your classes, but I want everyone to know how. Yes. Oh, that's so lovely. Yes, so I teach online classes. Um, they are super wonderful. And, in fact, um, I do four a year, which is quite popular, which is a freezer stocking workshop. So we cook together for three hours on a Sunday afternoon, um, and we fill your freezer with delicious foods, delicious, healthy foods that are freezer friendly, that are so going to taste cool. just as good coming out of the freezer as they did when they went in. Yeah, really and we so. stock your freezer for like two months. <laughs> There's scent, really, really fun. Next one is on February 25th. Good. And you can always go to clairetansy.com to find out the details. Yes. And then I also teach for dinner parties. So we do these Sunday it's something new we're trying this year. It's called a Sunday Dinner Party Club. And what we're going to do is kind of do the make-ahead in the middle of the afternoon on a Sunday so that you can then have people over for Sunday night dinner. 
I love Sunday night dinner. It's I such a way too. of like fending off the Sunday scaries, yep. putting a cherry on top of your weekend, yep. and just really capping off the weekend with positive energy and joy and love. That's so. really fabulous. So you do all the prep with everybody, and then exactly. they invite their friends over and look like a culinary hero. Exactly. And I invite my friends over, too. So it's all, it all works out for everybody. You know... I will tell you, I I am going to sign up because I think the idea of cooking with friends, newfound or otherwise, on a Sunday afternoon sounds delightful. And then doubling that, I mean, it's like doubling down and having another group of friends at your table to rejoice in those, that beautiful food sounds extraordinary. Yeah. I'm yeah. hoping that it's going to be, I think it's going to be really great. I really love having dinner parties. I love having people over as long as it's uncomplicated, right? Like right. whether you're the host or a guest, you don't want your, you don't want the dinner party to be full of stress. And if no. everything's done by two o'clock in the afternoon and you can go and have a nap or read a book or go for a swim or whatever you want before your people come over, oh, I think great that's going to be a that. good time. Yeah, no doubt. Please don't. Is there anywhere you can go for a swim right now in 20 below? I, we, so we have a community pool and it's indoor, obviously. And (laughs) um, it's so warm. It's like they crank the heat so high. So it's kind of like going to the spa. (laughs) Now you have to make sure you bring your hair dryer because you cannot leave the community pool with wet hair at all. Right. So, (laughs) but you can still swim. (laughs) Now you're just an amazing Eskimo. You really are. The most recent bestseller from Claire Tansy should be on your table, in your kitchen, on your counter, in your bookshelf. I mean, it's not going to last long in your bookshelf. You're going to be pulling it out. So get the book if you don't have it already or buy it for a friend or use it as a Valentine's Day present and sign up for a class and start cooking fabulously uncomplicated because as you can hear in Claire Tansy's voice, there is such tremendous joy in it. Uh, ClaireTansy.com. And follow on social at Tansy Claire, T-A-N-S-E-Y Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, right? You got it right. Exactly right. No mistakes. Perfect. All right. I will be there for churros in, let's see, the amount of time it takes me to book the flight, um, (laughs) pack every sweater I own. Okay. Well, it it does take a long time for the deep fryer to heat up in this weather, so I'll I'll just plug it in. Just plug it in now, please. And I'll, (laughs) I'll see you soon. And I can't wait to have you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Here. Delicious goodness you could stuff into your ears to fill your belly. That's what this show is all about. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Grab a snack. Come on back. There's lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Your soul every weekend, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I love embracing different ethnic cuisines in my kitchen. Food is a source of connection, signifying who you are, where you come from, right? And we are a melting pot of different cultures, so I love that food tells people stories. It's an expression of heritage, of culture, traditions, and While there is often a debate about what the best ethnic cuisine in the world is, the beauty lies in the diversity that allows everyone to savor the flavors and the tastes. The new edition of the beloved classic
classic cookbook, Lebanese Cuisine, has just released. It celebrates the 50th anniversary of the original publication. And it is all these beautiful, easy, authentic Mediterranean and Middle Eastern recipes. And they're nuanced with flavors and they use unique ingredients. And I think that is something beautiful to embrace. It is originally written by Dr. Madeline Farah, who in 1972 memorialized her mother's recipes. Today, her daughter, Lila Habib Kursky, is sharing a modern version celebrating her family's history. And I am delighted, Lila, to have you on the radio. Happy New Year to you and welcome. Thank you so much and Happy New Year to you. Well, thank you. Congratulations to you. Your book made number one on Amazon today and kudos to you. It is a a really beautiful way to memorialize your mother and your time in the kitchen as she memorialized hers, your grandmother, right? Tell us about the former success of the book, of the cookbook itself. Right. Um, So my mother wrote this in the early 70s, like you said, um, really to capture the recipes of my grandmother. And um, kind of the story, as the story goes, as it's told to me, is when my mom graduated from school and worked for the State Department, she would call home collect to um, understand how to make this or that. She hadn't learned how to cook. And my grandfather got so exasperated, he said, either you pay for your own phone bills or you learn how to cook. And again, you know, back in the day before we all had cell phones, right? Right, of course. And so um, I'm not so sure how much she really learned to cook at that point, but when um, she came back to Portland, Oregon, and we lived with my grandmother after my parents divorced, um, she really wanted to capture this. And... Um, so she did, and self-published it, and it sold over a hundred thousand copies over time. And I cannot tell you, unbelievable! How many it's amazing. And and when you think about it, it was like a PO box where she would fulfill orders by hand. Um, it was just the funniest thing when you think about how um, quaint it was. But I have run into so many people just. Peculiar things, like a, a person in a Pilates class who was, uh, grew up in London who's like, oh, I, I've got your mom's book, or another friend who'd say she'd see it on someone else's um, shelf. Or the amusing thing is now that this new book is out, people are excited, but at the same time are celebrating these beat-up, shredded copies of this original book where if you married into a Lebanese household and you didn't know how to cook, um, this was the manual that your, your future mother-in-law gave you so you, you, you could take care of her son. I think it is, I mean, the the history of it, but I think it is fascinating to me that this spiral-bound book, as you speak about, is tattered and torn. And from the comments on Amazon and the posts, people mm-hmm. who have waited for your new edition, that their, their book was falling apart over all these yeah. years. What a testament to your mother. Yes. It, I mean, it really is amazing. She would be um, amazed. And proud. How, uh, and proud. She would be and, so and proud. How it, how it has impacted people's lives. Oh, for sure. Um, I love that you elevated the book. You did add s- some freshness to it. And the original book had no photos. There's a, a fascinating uh, story, because I believe everything is rooted in a story, that you talk about the photographer for this book was not a food photographer, correct? Yeah. No, it's um, myself and a buddy. So... For fun, um, <laughs> when, my son, when my son went off to college, um, I decided to dabble back into my old hobby of photography. 
and so just graduated um, this this July with a certificate in fine art photography with one of my colleagues, um, one of my classmates. And um, I do analog black and white old school film. That's kind of my thing. And I do street photography. And my buddy is a wildlife photographer. And he literally, and we're up in the Northwest here, goes out with his camera and sits under a tree waiting for a bear to go by. And... um, (laughs) And so you said, those, wait, you said, um, shoot uh, tzatziki. And he oh, said, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, exactly. The book entitled Lebanese Cuisine highlights almost 200 recipes. It is an encyclopedia of culture and history, everything from a traditional homemade hummus to flavorful falafel to beautiful baked fish and chicken dishes to spiced rice puddings and kofta and kibbe and baklava and more. And really all of the Lebanese and Moroccan uh, traditional methods that her mother used, uh, Lila Habib Kursky has embraced and elevated. And you have to read it. I, I think the book is an experience in and of itself. So please check it out. Number one new release in Middle Eastern cooking on Amazon and sold where great cookbooks are sold. Uh, it is entitled Lebanese Cuisine and the author Lila Habib Kursky. Um, Lila, thank you again. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. And I do hope that it fed your soul. A big thanks to um, Layla and to Claire once again. It was girl power this hour on the radio, but I hope you found something deliciously inspiring. And let me leave you with my last bite, as I call it, my last ounce or tidbit of inspiration for the hour until next weekend. It's an easy weeknight dinner. It's perfect for football, uh, perfect for a casual rustic winter dinner party. And it's full of smoky, zesty, fabulous flavor. It's kind of like having uh, everyone's favorite kebab, but it's way less work. And you can get dinner on the table in 30 minutes. It's an andouille sheet pan dinner. And if you love andouille sausage like I do, I use it in everything from breakfast to tailgating. It has potatoes and sausage and red onions and um, sweet bell peppers, cherry tomatoes. It has the beautiful essence of smoked paprika and garlic powder and cumin and it's super simple on one sheet pan and it's ready in 15 minutes you've got to make it and i'm posting it now on social at chef jamie gwen so please check it out and meet me here next weekend when i guarantee there will be lots more fabulous food in your radio i thank you for listening i'm chef jamie gwen signing off and i hope you continue to eat well Thank you.